into the mouth, the abyss that is Will Laughlin's endless stomach. I've had a long, hard day. You shut the hell up. Also, how did you pronounce my name? Laughlin. Oh, you, you did the ugh. I don't know if I did that. You did a little bit of ugh. I don't think so. Got a little uh, phlegm on there. Put some phlegm on there. Well, I didn't know I was going to be losing myself in the music, never let him, never letting a moment let it go, something mom spaghetti. You know, don't get mad at me because I want to look cool while we podcast. <laughs> That's a word that one could use. <laughs> I don't think it's accurate, unfortunately, for me, because I have to see it. Well, that's too bad. You going to explain to the listener what you're seeing, or are you just going to let it be a mystery? Because so, I'm not going to say. It's part of my mystique. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm sitting across from someone who has decided to put their headphones over the hood that they have put up over their head on their hoodie. Now, reader, can I describe the state of this hoodie? We need to get you a new hoodie. No, I, I love this one. You can go ahead and describe the state if you want. The pocket, which you just conveniently covered up with your arm is fraying along the kangaroo pouch and there is a giant pit hole yeah i mean you can't buy an article of clothing like this it only gets worn in with love over time and becomes better with age no yeah hoodies are best when they're fresh no i disagree hard they're like they're like kind of fluffy still they've got the factory fluff and you're like hoodie is almost a form of jacket and all jackets are better when they're worn in not worn out but worn in. Mm, that's worn out. That's 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 where you're going wrong here on this day. Um, I also I'm not a. I think I don't own. I own exactly one hoodie. All none of the rest survived the purge. I only own one as well, and it's this one. Mm. Well, one of them's cashmere. So, you have a cashmere hoodie. Yeah, dude. What is even the point of that? It's luxurious to not wear it and just revel in. Oh no, I wear it. It's it got some. Is. No, it's got some holes. It's it's like fluffy ooh, best 200 dollars i ever spent as a 19 year old oh my god yeah that's way too expensive uh no it's 100 percent the right price that i did not have the money for you know i'm not a big fan of hoodies which is why i only have the one you used to exclusively wear hoodies yeah that was a long time ago mm-hmm. that was 10 years ago mm-hmm. you're thinking of mm-hmm yeah, but I don't like them much for wearing out anymore, but I do like them as home gear. I really only wear this hoodie at home. It's nice and cozy, and it makes me feel good. Home gear? Yeah, it's home gear. Is that next to home goods? You can buy some some jars that just say salt in that long, skinny black text, and then next to it is just a rack of black hoodies? No, home gear is what you wear, you know? It's your necessary equipment for your leisurely lifestyle. I don't know anything about that lifestyle. It includes sweatpants. I don't know anything about that. Which unfortunately I don't have on right now, but I wish I did. Mm. And in my case, this hoodie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the autumn now. The weather's turning. It's yeah. getting a little brisk outside. You have the window open. Yeah, time for flannels. You know, I have a problem with collars. <laughs> they... Yeah, I did. Will just popped. <laughs> I popped up my flannel. You should up. leave that up since I have my hoodie up as a throwback. As aesthetic to problems, <laughs> you should keep your collar popped I, as a throwback I, tribute to the finance bros of yesteryear. They never pop their collars. They absolutely did. What are you talking? I about? I pop all my jacket collars. Well, everybody does that. Usually, jacket collars are popped by default. No, they're usually flat, like little, little, little pointy collars. But I always go. And then I make sure that they like flop a little bit inward so I look a little more wistful. 
Oh boy. A little more raffish, rakish, raffish, rakish. I think rakish is what you're looking for. I look like Rafiki. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, welcome, welcome to Green and Lewis, where we forgot how to podcast in a week. Yeah, yeah, we haven't done it in a while. So, oops. Sorry. It's called being social. Ever heard of it? I I just recently learned what it was. Gotta say, never a fan. I'm. A, I mean, I'm a fan, but I'm also like kind of tired. Yeah, well, everybody's older now, so you get tired from socializing in a way that we yeah. didn't used to as young people. Oh, young people could do it. That's the only thing you want to do. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that you're uh, making a big deal about taking a break from the podcast for one week because I always try to get you to take breaks from the podcast and you never want to do it. I was really surprised this time that you allowed that to happen. I, I, I am also very aware of the... I, I'm aware of time as an old person now where I'm like, it's fine. Like, we're just going to... Because I'm not... When would, could it have been worked in? Sixth of never. Um, the only opportune that we had was at a time when I thought I was going to be home in a timely manner and I drove around looking for parking for about 27 minutes. So that was off the table. Um, yeah. So... What you're describing is that you just didn't feel like doing yeah, it at fine. a time that wasn't convenient yeah, for you, yeah. and now you know how I feel every week. Well, this week we can record. We're, we're gonna bank some. We're gonna. We're gonna. Why? For weeks like yes, last week. No, we're not gonna. We're not gonna do anything unless you're gonna take over the responsibility of editing. I can entirely. edit it. I have the time. Papa's on vacation. How many episodes are you gonna edit while you're on vacation? Three. You're gonna use your vac- No, that's not enough anyway. No, we only can we can pull the emergency lever three times. Well, I don't know if we're going to try to. Here's the other problem right now. I we're have, gonna I have s- to work. I yes, know. you're on vacation, but this is what I'm talking about. Is you just think about yourself? Yeah. As a podcaster, uh-huh. because you don't do anything but show up uh-huh. and talk, and sometimes barely that. <laughs> Shut the. F- Listen, hoop. Who and now you're like, oh, I have a week. Now I have a week off. I want to bank episodes. Well, guess what, bitch? I have to work every day. What the fuck? How am I supposed to do that? And I'm going to come home and be like, hey, you want to do this now? And you're going to be like, no, I don't feel like it. I always say I never feel like it. But will I always do it? Of course. Because out of responsibility for the listener, out of sheer due diligence for you, dear dear reader, I do it for you. Because I also like hard deadlines. And the type A in me is like, we gotta have, we, we, we have to deliver it. Oh, shit. I forgot to send an email. Oops. Do you want to do that now? Do you want me to pause? No, it's fine. I don't give a shit. I'm on vacation. I, I'll send... I have a conference call at 8.30 in the morning. I'll just send it before then and be like, sorry. Thought You're I on sent- vacation, but you have a conference call at 8.30 in the morning. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to, I don't want to get into the... <laughs> I don't want to get into my addiction to work. This Thank is you so back much. to a consistent thread in your life where you don't understand what vacation is. You <laughs> don't know how to travel it's my last, or relax. It's my last thing where I'm like, that's the last thing I have to do. And I have to do some other stuff. But <laughs> once I get it all done, then I can just be like, I don't care anymore. It's over. I'm done. Um, okay. All right. Whatever. I'm not going to give you a hard time about it but, because I know it will bear no fruit. Oh, absolutely. We've not. been over this so many times. You don't get the the like the like. I mean, you don't get the little lingering anxiety where you're like, "Ooh, I really just want to finish a thing so that way I can fully relax." I have that while I'm at work sometimes. Oh. I do like to complete projects. Yeah. 
you know. You're not going to stay late to do the project. I'm though. absolutely not going to yeah. stay one second late to accomplish that, though. Mm-hmm. Nor am I going to think about it when oh. I'm not at work. Mm. Well, yeah. I get that a lot of people yeah. don't necessarily have that luxury, and you might be one of them, but to beat a dead horse, you really inflict this on yourself to a degree that's oh, my time quite masochistic, and I can't... Well, also, my time management is poor. How is that possible? You spend all your time at work already. The public, they get in the way. Got to deal with them. You have to delegate. There's not enough people to do that. Anyway. Anywho. Um... Anyway, you should have a nice vacation, which includes not doing this call because you just got off of work. I'm going to do it because I'm going to have questions and they're going to be bitchy and I can't wait to do it. This is the problem. Why do you look forward to it? You realize you're not even getting paid to do this. I also might not wake up for it. So it might be a big oops. I'll be like, whatever. Well, I think I'm going to make you drink a lot so that you actually have to miss it. And I'll just show up to the like the video call just like bleary. I just like, Will, do you have pants on? I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh. I got a sweater on. I got a sweater on. You got no like, pants. your two hundred dollar cashmere sweater on, but no pants. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's home gear. I've definitely done that on conference calls. Been like, Hi, how's it going? Good morning, guys. I cannot stand the Red, way that this thing in the eyes. oven smells. Why? I'm so distracted by it. It smells like burning cardboard with like a dried cranberry. What what did you make before I came home? Because it smelled very good. It Polenta smelled... and sausage. Oh, it smelled like, yeah, it smelled very roasty. Yeah, I pan fried up some uh, chicken sausage with oh, some polenta chicken, yeah. and an avocado. It smelled a little bit like uh, a chicken soup situation. Now, it was very confused. I'm like, you don't, you don't cook soup. You're not a soup. You're not a soup boy. No, I'm not a soup boy. Soup is not a meal. What was your meal yesterday? <laughs> Well, pho has a bunch of noodles in it and meat in it. I don't like broth, though. I could live without the broth. So you just want bun? Bun cha? I guess. Yeah. That seems... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, when I'm eating on my own, that is basically what I eat. If I have a... You know, in any form, that's basically what I'm having is sort of a carb and a protein. So if you're at, like, a diner, it's lunchtime. You're getting a pastrami sandwich. Are you getting like a little soup, a cup of soup no. to start the meal? No way. With some little oysty, oysty crackies? No. Why? Because at a diner or any restaurant, really, a sandwich comes with fries or chips. Not always. Sometimes you're just getting the Sammy. Sammy and a pickle. Um, That's okay, too. But if I'm going to get a side, it's another solid form of food. But what if they just are like, and, and do you want the soup with the salad? And you're like, mm, well, I would if that was what was on offer and I didn't really have a choice, I wouldn't decline it. I would get it and begrudgingly eat the brothy. Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't even be begrudging. Like when you order delivery sushi and they bring you the miso soup, mm-hmm. I always quickly drink down the miso soup and get it over. You chug with. it like it's. Yeah. Because I feel I don't like wasting food. You can reheat the miso soup. But I don't want it. I don't want it okay. ever. So when it shows up and it's already hot and it's right there in front of me, I'll just get uh, it over with real quick and then on to the main course. I will say that was the, the one joy of like the, not to go back to the sugar fish of it all, but they're like, miso soup. Fuck you. No, we're, we're, we're here for fish, motherfucker. Yeah, that's because that's not a real thing. Yeah. That's, that's filler for Americans to be like, we need more food. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. This is why the 
the sushi platter for two has a big fault of like here's a salad with the shitty ginger dressing and here's your miso soups and it's like how about we just uh get to the point here i would rather have one extra roll yeah than have that it's because the miso soup costs nothing yeah the exactly. salad costs nothing exactly. i mean they're like here's some free filler um, I feel bad because I don't necessarily have another topic to bring up, but we've already <laughs> talked about work and we've already talked about food, okay. and that's already two thirds of the episodes that we do. I feel compelled to talk. People about People love snack else. talk, but you know, uh, do they? I don't know. Apparently, some, some people they love the snacks. You know, I've been watching an episode of Howard Stern every night before bed. I've gotten into this weird habit where I, I can't stop doing it now. The morning show, Howard Stern. Yeah. Watch in the evening as a wind down yeah today. because there's all these great youtube channels that have like best ofs and stuff but they're usually in the form of full episodes so uh-huh. my wind down at night has been watching one 50 minute episode of, of howard stern. stern okay and he never talks about food never at all he's gone man i don't think he eats. i've listened to dozens of these food. at these at this point and he never talks about it yeah, he doesn't strike me as someone who likes food and i well maybe but i suspect that it's because it's not particularly entertaining yeah, it's quotidian it's not tasty, yeah. and you know, not hearing an about audio food, compatible thing. It's it's a, it's the thing of like it's the same thing of like you know when we're like oh yeah can you describe the thing because this is an audio medium it's like it's sensory disconnect. Yeah, your olfactory senses are the worst thing to try to describe to try and describe. Yeah. I mean, authors talk about this all the time. I don't know if you next time you're reading a piece of fiction, try to notice when they talk about oh, he's a reader now taste okay. and smell. It's terrible because they almost never talk about it at all, and when they do, it's the most clunkily conveyed part of fiction writing. I mean, this is why, like with wine, when people are like, do you notice the like peachy apricot? I'm like, no, no, it smells some kind of tree fruit or nut fruit, but no, not the particular one. So sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't have a very well-developed palate. I mean, I try. I try my best because as a cosmopolitan person, as a wannabe sophisticate, I feel compelled to learn about, you know, your palate and your taste and Mm -hmm. be able to make at least an effort at describing what you're eating beyond, mm, it's good. Well, yeah. Or whatever. You know, but I have to say, I just don't think that that is uh, an area of expertise that I'm willing to cultivate that far i I don't get it i can't get the subtleties of it i have a difficult time connecting it with language that's the worst part is like it does uh, something like this sugarfish experience might have a particular quality but it's ineffable to me and i cannot put it into words i can't describe it no well i feel like i lack the mental framework and the vocabulary to do it i feel similarly about music oh i could no couldn't tell you i either like that. it or i don't i don't really know why i can and say it's, it's poppy or it's whatever and even if i can like pick out a particular thing about it to describe for a second i don't have the knowledge of composition and theory to in my mind accurately summarize it i just can't do it i feel like if you have to use more than three references to describe one aspect of a thing yeah that's too much wine and music have this problem they do yeah um like this is why like when i if i ever talk to the wine people i'm like i want it dry i want it minerally i want it fresh for white and bread i want juicy low alcohol chillable 
like I want to be able to sock it in the fridge, be a little refreshing treat, but I want it to not be like, you know, yeah. I don't want it to be sugar wine. I don't like a big sure, fruity. Sure. I don't like a fruity motherfucker. But, but even right there, you're outside of my realm of understanding because I don't understand. For example, if I wanted a wine that goes in the fridge. I don't necessarily like that. I'm just using this as an example. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what other qualities go with that to even ask for. You would say like a clear taste that's not muddied by all all the other nonsense? You may, but what I'm getting at is that I don't know how to make that connection. Oh. That doesn't occur to me, and I get um, very stiff, especially with a customer service person that has a lot of knowledge and sort of expects their relationship with their customer to involve some input yeah. from the purchasing party i can't do it i don't know how to do it mm. we were having the same conversation about the suit basically yeah where i was like i know there's something wrong with it and i think it's here and here but i'm not like sure what to ask for or how to approach this and it's a problem because i don't even want to trust other people with that responsibility even if they're like supposed experts it's like people getting bad haircuts or whatever because oh, they don't yeah. know what to ask for i think you could have the same problem with a bottle of wine or with oh, a suit absolutely where yeah. you're like yeah. i think it needs to come in here and here but you're not really sure that's even the problem and they're like yeah sure we'll do that for you and, and then, then they fucked. do yeah. either whatever they want or what you asked for which is the wrong thing that's a haircut that that's a you haircut know. problem yeah um taylor is gonna be like are you sure are you sure are you sure that's what we're doing on this day because they know they're like that's gonna look fucked up, but I mean, you know, when I describe to you the ladies at G and G, they're they're just gonna be like, "What?" And you're like, "Okay, two inches up. We gotta bring we gotta bring some arm in. Like, what are we doing down here? Can you bring it up about like mm, three quarters of an inch?" And they're like, "Thank you." Right, but my point is, you have to know all that in advance. Yes, and I very very rarely know that because if if you have to go to a place, this is this is the fa- like the famous rich thing. You're not going for the process you're going for the service where someone's going to walk you take your hand and walk you through and describe the things for you which is why you know a little luxury experience isn't the worst thing in the world because that way then you can do you know down market that a little bit well what what i'm not talking about is the marketing or the nature of one service experience against another like i understand the difference between a high and low experience as far as your consumption goes what I'm talking about is a form of thinking that's required. Like, even mm. if you get a higher level of service and they hold your hand and walk you through the thing, they're going to use words and terminology. But they'll tell you what, what the thing is. And best, you're like, case, oh. best case scenario, they'll tell you what the thing is, but you still have to be able to make a mental leap to conceptualize that and understand it for yourself. And through repetition, you can do that. But I'm not willing to do that in a lot of areas. Like, this is a thing that happens to me the older that I get. I'm like, yeah, my range of knowledge is pretty broad, but on the level of trivia. And things I'm willing to get, like, semi-deep on are, like, two. I think I can handle, like, two subjects Mm -hmm. at a given time. And that's it. Interesting. I mean, I I like stuff. So, like, I will always, like, pick apart a thing. So, like, if anyone ever presents me with something, I'll just be, like, I'll just, like, hold it up. And I'll be, like, like, Rubik's Cube, the object. Especially if it's, like, a, you know, a clothing good. I'm, like, hmm, what do we got here? What are we doing here on this day? And then I just start ripping it apart. Like, undoing things. And then go, <laughs> okay, this is trash. Bring me something else. And they're, like, but. I'm, like, ah, what are you trying to do here on this day? 
Next. Yeah, but clothing is an area of expertise for you that you already have a wellspring of information to draw from. Yes. Right. You both you and I could say the same thing about art or painting. Yeah. For the most part. Like that'll always be an area that I can look at any you know, flat visual object and like make an assessment of it on a nuanced level yeah. all the time. I think clothing is one of those things for you. I'm not sure I yeah. have that with too many other things. But I also can kind like I kind can kind of do it with like the foliage. Like if I'm, you know, taking a Nelly strip and I'm like, ooh, what are we buying today? Feeling a little spendy. Like I'll just be like, ooh, well that one's got some new growth. But the other leaves are looking a little dead. So I don't know, maybe this le- you know, you can kind of like mm, you train yourself you train uh, train yourself to know a little bit more about your interests so that way you can take the next steps in further knowledge. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's just like a little quirk. I know. take your point about the Rubik's cubing to heart. I think you're very good at that, but that's like a further level of abstract thought that I don't know. I, it, but that's the same thing with like haircuts. Like I would get like a $60 haircut with well, when I had hair um, and then just go back to like a cheap barber and be like, okay, so what we're going to do, you're going to do this, 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 this in this order. And they're like, okay you uh, we were just gonna ask you one thing but you got it. okay thank you yeah yeah i mean i'm agreeing with you man and also trying to compliment you and say that you have this ability with a wide range of objects whether it's hair or flowers or wine or whatever you're willing and able yeah my fag gene is pretty strong to interrogate your own interests and assumptions and question and evaluate them with almost anything you're given. I don't think that that's an innate ability or even something that's like quite that learnable beyond a certain age. Because it is a lot like learning another language. And it's sort of like being conversational in a lot of different languages, but fluent in only a couple. Yeah, I think that's like kind of what you have. And that's something that's aspirational for me. I would like that. But I'm also like resistant to it somehow. Why? especially as I age just because it because it's difficult because oh, it's like yeah. you know what I would rather just avoid this and not take up t- space in my mind with it especially when you're surrounded by other people that are uh estes of many of these things I can kind of follow everybody else's lead like oh, if I so want to use a <laughs> you want <laughs> you want free labor from other people basically like if I, <laughs> if I'm out at a dinner and other people are better at selecting wines than me I'm totally fine with like letting that happen to me and in fact, it makes me more comfortable because if I'm asked to make a selection, it's going to produce a lot of anxiety because I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, see, I've been burned enough at, at things like that where it's like, oh, we want to get this. And I'm like, oh, no, you want to get that. And you can speak clearly and accurately. But maybe that's not actually what I is on the palette for me. You know, like, so that's why you just kind of go, yeah, I recognize what that is. But like, I think for the general audience here, we got to do something a little less. We got to bring the funk down a little bit. Well, that's maybe an introducing like another third thing to this conversation, which is in a social situation, you do have to play to the crowd that you're with and their tastes or the collective tastes as best that you can. Um, But see, you have to be very knowledgeable to do that like i'll give you another example and it's music related when i get really tense about this type of stuff if i'm ever asked to dj like this happens to me occasionally at work 
Oh, you just like are like uh, or at parties or whatever because yeah. people will put on a playlist and then it'll end and they'll feel compelled to like make it be somebody else's turn. And as much as possible, I will always defer that responsibility yeah. because I'm like my taste in music is trash. I do not understand like vibes. I'm not going to be able to yeah. curate this well for other people. Vibes is a word that I hate that has entered re you know reemerged in the vernacular of like you just have to get it. I'm like. It involves reading a room in a very specific way, but also projecting your own, like, you know, uh, uh, your own, what's the French word? Not, uh, mm-hmm. you're projecting your own, like, oh, I don't care that, that this might be cool or if it's uncool, but I'm definitely making this choice. Maybe that's more German. But, um, like, I'm never a fan of, like, I only did that once and I was like, because I was asked, like, people want a banger and I don't know what the fuck that means. And I was like, well, I know what a banger is, but I also know like what the crowd is. So like here, put on this. And it was like, Oh, people are, Oh, it's high. Like, like, you know, said DJ was like, okay, some energy. Okay, great. It's not just Kate Bush. Well, usually that's what people are asking for when they say a banger. And you can go a number of different directions with that, whether it's like sort of retro, you know, play something from the early 2000s, like Lil John or something that everybody. Not that it wasn't that kind of crowd. I know know that that's not "Mm." what you did. I'm giving an example. Uh, So you can go that direction with it or you can go the contemporary direction, like play Olivia Rodrigo or whatever. For 35-year-olds, you don't play Olivia Rodrigo. Believe me, like, there's 35-year-olds that are over-invested Oh, in boy. Oh. Just listen to Paramore. Whatever. It's I, the same shit. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> um, Anywho. Um, but what I'm, what, what I'm getting at is that like the social elements and having yeah. awareness of the social elements on top of having pretty good taste about particular things is another thing. Yeah. Mm. In my case, I would rather just not. I would rather just not participate in that. Like I'm, I'm legitimately a go with the flow type of person. It's not going to bother me either way. But having like a pop cultural opinion is kind of like a necessary part of sociability. Like you kind of have to like be aware of it because like I, for all my you know lack of awareness of what's going on in the world, I'll still know like you know enough memes to converse with you. Right. And most people that we know, but also like enough to be like stupid pop songs or some bullshit. Like I can do a little bit of everything just because internet, but I'm not invested because I do not care. Um, but I can at least then start, you know, roll with the conversation, then kind of be like, okay, can we turn away from this, please? Because this is terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, Cause you can I just... like to surf the surface of the internet and basically know what every dialogue that's potentially going to come up in front of me yeah is on some level mm-hmm. yeah yeah like I, w- I would say that like theoretical things like discourse things are actually something that i can participate in usually because mostly what i'm doing with my time when i'm not doing something productive is like looking into the conversations that are being had and what are the takes here on either side yeah and then usually agreeing with one or the other because it's always polarized. Yeah. Or finding the third way that's like, I don't know, there's something being missed on both parts of this here. And that could be about uh, Olivia Rodrigo, or it could be about, you know, Donald Trump. It doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. But I, I, I am interested in, like, the argument space. 
and what's happening there. Shocker. You know? Um yeah. But but only only because it's you know it's going to come up. Like the other night I was out and like Dave Chappelle and that special oh. came up and you and I watched that together. And look, I don't want to talk about this on the level of like the trans issue who whatever. But what was interesting Suffice to say it's a mess. What was interesting um, about it coming up publicly, not because of me. I didn't bring it up. Somebody else started talking about it. And it was like you clearly haven't seen this a and B, oh. you're just repeating headlines or like things from articles that you read. And I'm on to you because I read all those articles, too. But I also watched the thing. So I like to just watch that go down. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people I mean? who just read the hot take. Like, I'm guilty of this sometimes for the things that I'm not invested in, where you're just like, I got to skin the thing. I don't fucking know. Um, but I'm not going to put in the out like the 45 minutes or even the but four you won't minutes. bring it up with conviction no, in front of a fuck. bunch of people no. as if you're like righteous about it that's no. what's that's what's who funny cares? to see is propaganda working on people like oh, who cares? i think that's on some level what i'm actually interested in mm. is the propagandistic triggers that happen organically mm. just through like information overload in everybody's lives and i don't feel particularly susceptible to that yeah, I um, I mean, I, I'll like, you know, we were talking about this the other day because I was like, oh, you don't know about this? It's like, no, what's the juice? And I'm like, just read the, the articles. I only know what the articles are and I only saw the one post. Like, you know, you can do the backlog and do it, but like, I don't have an opinion anymore because that's three years old. Well, sure. And, and basically... And how do you, you don't remember that? Like, you know, it's that question of like, eh, Okay. Everybody memory holds everything so fast. There's no nuance to anything. Like, it's interesting to watch people get really convicted about hot takes anymore because, like I said earlier, everything is so polarized that, like, you can basically just read opposing headlines and get the gist of an entire dialogue without doing any further looking. That's true. Or experiencing is, or your, experiencing. is the main problem. Like, yeah. I didn't have to watch the Chappelle thing to know that obviously things were taken out of context and it probably wasn't as big of a deal as it was being made <laughs> into. And also that he probably said some like uh, problematic things that, you know, yeah. elite people don't agree with. Uh, sure. You, you don't have to watch the special to know that. I think like the thing that always gets left out of just, just a for ex example is the like the sheer, like there was no misgendering in the entire thing, which I thought was like, you right. know, like you just, you kind of go like, you have to think about the subtlety of craft there, yeah. which you appreciate in terms of how you do that. Where totally. it's like, you know, some of the punchlines are a little like hacky. Cause that's also a self-awareness of like, I'm Dave Chappelle. Everyone's going to watch this. Yeah. Like, absolutely. you know, like this is a general audience. This isn't for like a sensitive audience, but like a sensitive audience will pick up on those other things. Sure. Um, well, there's also this additional awareness on Dave Chappelle's part that, like, he's obviously it's obviously going to be written about. Like, it feels like a res a response to things that haven't even happened yet. He he's operating he's in a weird space good at that. where he's so yeah. where he's so visible that he's gonna stir controversy whether he likes it or not. So that yeah. that gets incorporated into, into the, the process. Act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've talked about you know. Lady Bunny in the past, she did like a post that was like, some of you all are talking about a comedian that's very, you know, transphobic and blah, 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 you know, like, 
Yeah, but you should really go see Bianca Del Rio's act. She's really a nice person. Like, it just fully diverts it for, away from that, where it's like, people can say, like, performers have, you know, can do that. But again, like, I don't know. I don't want to think, I don't want to take up that much time thinking about this, but it is this kind of interesting question where it's like, if a performing public doesn't have, you know, potentially off like you know off color things that they're doing what what do you have to talk about like are you going to think about something unless someone else you know lights the spark to think about it it becomes a well it becomes a hall of mirrors where people are talking about things that other people are talking about without and then past each other and obviously past each other without ever involving themselves in the content in the first place i mean this is what reddit is as a phenomenon like some people are more interested in the article and then some people are more interested in what is being said about the article. And if you're, this is Twitter too. Sure. And if you're a person, this is maybe just social media broadly. Like if you're on social media and that's mostly what your world is, you're just in a hall of mirrors of dialogue about dialogue about dialogue. Yeah. Which can be interesting in its own right. Like I think media criticism is fine that's a very important thing when it's substantive yeah but it's very rare that that ever actually happens so like in the example of Chappelle, like you know you and i might be able to talk about how interesting it is that he doesn't misgender somebody and what a signifier of like good craft that is and then also of of upright morality like i think that that that's what is actually presented in that special is like he does have respect for trans people um completely maybe a little too like a little it's not fetishization but it is a little bit too like why make the whole special about that or like a very extended dialogue about that you know that that becomes a question where you're just like did you edit this and it's like "Mm, maybe um but then you i mean well he's he's a victim of the media complex to some degree too like the trans discourse is way more amplified than it should be. It's an incredibly small minority of people. Not that they don't deserve like dignity or human rights, but it, it should be almost irrelevant to everybody's life. Yet it's a constant, you know, hot poker in everybody's side if you even touch on the issue. So I think Dave Chappelle's talking about it because it's been amplified by social media into something that it's really not. Like most average people have a pretty ignorant opinion of trans people. And most trans people have a pretty bad opinion of the loudest voices in the room, too. So, I, I, you know, I think he's responding to dialogue about dialogue about dialogue also. He happens to have a personal experience with it, though, that... Don't call her it. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to derail this and not get my own, uh, a- not show my own ass, so it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying anything embarrassing. No, 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 no. Uh, just, I, ju- I just, it, yeah. I, when, what you're, what even, you're afraid even, to even, do is even, touch the subject. Even at all. having a, yeah. having an opinion that's mildly fa- favorable about how it was presented is a problem, and I'm like. Is it though? I don't fucking know. Well, what I'm part of what I'm trying to say is that it's absolutely not a problem. That ninety percent of people don't care at all, have never even heard of this, and most of the people that have heard of this controversy with Chappelle and trans people don't feel a way about it at all. The ones that feel a way about it even slightly, like me, are like it's not a big deal either way. 
And then there's a tiny, tiny minority of people that are amplified about having to defend Dave Chappelle as a free speech warrior or having to come down on the side of uh, you're literally causing violence against trans people. And neither of those things are even relevant. Well, because to go back to the talking about the talking about, like, you know, he discusses like his friend committed suicide. Like, and that's kind of like, that's the indictment where it's like, listen, listen, people out in the world, you cause people who are very sensitive to do very erratic, irrational things, which he is also party to. Sure. Let me give up my shit. I have a farm in Ohio. Right. Like, like there is a kind of awareness, you know, I I love it when he's like, she bombed, she's a terrible comedian. Like, it's funny because it's just like, we're not even talking about that. We're just talking about like this person and their presentation to the public is you know comedy's not their suit you know her suit well and it's important to mention that a big part of the story is that behind the scene she's very funny yeah as a stand-up act she's not in the spotlight and yeah. very good but as a person she was very funny yeah yeah which which happens to a lot everyone. of people <laughs> not everybody can do stand-up you know even funny people no no, it's um, a different thing. Most comedian, most stand-up comedians, when they're off stage, are really unfunny, depressed, and boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, like that. Yeah, just to go back to the thing of like, you know, the 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 turn in that story is like, you know, like thinking about whatever public uh conversation is going on is is a a problem for people. Is basically the the moral of that story. The moral of that story has nothing to do with any sort of trans identity or transphobia or trans fetishization like at all. Right. Um, it's just about like letting the weight of hecklers that essentially that you don't know get into your brain and the hecklers that you install yourself as someone who's going through a lot of interpersonal drama. Yeah, totally. Um, well, and it's a really telling part of the story that like, it's more it's... about like psychological, uh health mental health we call that right yeah i mean in a sense that in a sense it is but it's also about like what discourse can do to a person mentally healthy or otherwise it can drive you insane i mean i think that's what he's kind of talking about in the know anything about that well sort of yeah (laughs) but i think kind of what we're talking i mean we started out talking about like having rubik's cubing objects right like you can also Rubik's Cube conversation and media. And personalities. Well, yeah. You can Rubik's Cube things that are concrete, and then you can Rubik's Cube things that are abstract. Yeah. And I think it's a lot more difficult on some level to do that kind of puzzle solving with abstract things. But to me, that's always clearer. It's sort of easier. It's harder with a bottle of wine or with a haircut or with a suit for me to mm-hmm. make like distinctions and see the difference um but i think i can see it in thinking a lot of the time well not to i re- think that's what artists kind of should do well not to retread that not to retread john's but like seeing it yeah. a second time like you kind of like it is that you know and i said this before it's like unknown known unknowns and unknown unknowns like it when you're looking at arts that are propositional, it's easy to like uh, square a circle in the moment. 
Um, but that should be unsettling to even be able to do, I think. I think that like if if you arrive at a, a clear cut position at you know in my advanced age or whatever, like I just find it more difficult to be like absolute about a position that I have versus my youth where I'd be like, It's shit, moving on. You know, or like it's dull. Even saying it it's shit is just like the point is like it's dull, it's not making me think. Now I'm like eh, I can't have a position on it and that's okay. Versus like this little bottle of wine in front of me that still smells like feet and I socked it in the fridge for at least 10 hours. I'm like, I think this bottle is just bad and that's why it was cheaper than why I normally pay for it. Like, I think I just got a like shitty vintage. I'm not sure where you're going with the bottle of wine thing, but I will respond to something else. Like the, the, the actual thing I can have a very clear position on that won't change. Yeah. Versus the abstraction of dealing with a work of art in front of me, seeing, you know, seeing it again or whatever. Like I, I will never square square that into a circle or circle whatever the fuck the phrase is. Like I'll never be able to do that because my position is unfixed about it. In a way that my position on a suit jacket comes with rules. Yeah, I mean, I think that your position on discursive objects can also come with rules i always fundamentally disagree with you on this point and i think we've had this conversation on and off mic like a couple of times now around jasper johns and the unfixity of having a position in art doesn't mean that you have no position it means that you have a more complex position yeah so if we use the example of like uh, picking out a wine for a group of people. Like, you might have a personal opinion about a wine that it's bad. You might have a secondary opinion that it has nice characteristics, but it's simply not for you. And then you might have a third opinion that for this group, that would work, even though I don't like it. For that group and for that meal, fine, sure. it'll pass. So yeah. when you're looking at a work of art, you can also have all of those zoom-out levels and further subsequent ones for yourself. Uh, un, an unfixed position when viewing uh, a work of art or like I think discursive object is better because like the Chappelle conversation is similar and that's about talking that's not yeah. about an object so yeah. theoretical things like what I never agree with you about is that unfixity in itself is a sufficient end I don't think that that's right I think that that's like a nihilistic um, morality that lets yourself off the hook for making determinations uh, when you recognize nuance. I think where I do level with you is that you can look at a work of art and say, I don't, ex- I don't accept the canonical narrative about Jasper Johns, nor do I accept this particular critic's narrative, nor do I accept Erica's narrative or Camper's narrative or whatever, but you also do have a position there that is your own, that you are viewing these things from that is describable. It is, but I... I... You're you're talking about... One last thing. You're talking about squaring the circle all the time. You don't need to do that, but that doesn't mean you have no center. Yeah. No, it's, it's a... It's closer to, like, what, what I usually describe, like, especially in that, you know, that instance is, like, uh, it's a, a kind of weird, I, and I know it's frustrating to, you know, for me to like position it as like, I, I don't know every time and every time it changes. 
And like when I like say an absolute of like, well, I think that's the point. Like that just leaves my own position a little bit more, you know, wavy on the target scale, you know, like on the, on the hunting range, it can just be the clay pigeon going back and forth. Like I haven't figured out a way to like provide stasis to that clay pigeon. And the words that I use to describe are not accurate enough to describe the like nebulous zone of how I'm feeling about a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that there's opportunity for the, you know, the cell to grow or shrink. So yeah, I won't totally. commit to it. The, the, the lack of, the lack of commitment is what I'm critical commi- of. I'll I completely com- understand. I'll that. commit to like a yeah. boundary. Sure. But that boundary at this point, I understand as being very flexible. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. I think it's this. Like, does it, does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way it's of putting it. It's incredibly annoying in a rhetorical dialogue and a, and a critical dialogue. Well, because you're like, but what, what are the bounds of what you're working on? And you're like, I don't know yet. And I don't know if I ever will know. And that, you know, like an easy out to just like close out a conversation is like, I don't know. I think that's how not knowing is the knowing. And you're like, fuck you. Like, like I get that. Um, but it's just a, it's a non-committal because I'm like I I think the that's that's what makes something worthwhile, whether it's the Chappelle thing or or even like a, a Johnsian blowout is like the unsettled position is discomforting because I can't make a pronunciation about it or a declaration rather. Yeah, I think a lot of that. I think for a lot of us, things get twisted up because we start, the superstructure of our brains is kind of in reverse. You start from good and bad, and then you go to nuance, which in Interesting, a, boring, yeah. Which in a way is correct. Like, you do have to have a fundamental, I think, like, ethical philosophy that you ascribe to that is the basis of your thinking about anything, whether it's a suit or wine or Chappelle or Jasper Johns. But making the mistake of using that tool first rather than experiencing whatever it is you're experiencing and trying to find how it squares with what you believe that's the interaction that's always interesting with yeah. any sensory experience, right? Yeah. But I think too often people say this is bad or good based on what they've heard about it, not about yeah. what they're doing with it. Yeah. And that's because a lot of people don't have a fundamental like ethical basis. And I'm not saying that like I have an articulatable one because you don't want to have an ideological one. No. Eh. Hmm. You want you're ethos, going to have but... you're going to have an ethos. That's a better way to say it. Because what what you don't want is an ideology, because that's fu- it's fundamentally political. Then then you're always siding with something well, that, that pre-exists. Well, beyond political, you are being polemic in your positions. You're being yeah. prescriptive and being like uh, uh, too strong in the de- declarative, without having you know the notes to back it up. Sure, you just have feeling, and what are feelings? Not facts. Thank you, Ben Shapiro. Here's the thing. It sucks, but it's true. It it is true. Like, especially if you are going to have an authoritative stance, that statement, unfortunately, sucks that it's true. 
Yeah. Because, you know, this comes up in any sort of conversation. Like, well, I felt that. It's like, like, well, what what actually happened? Well, this happened in the seven. Okay. So what was, so that was your perception. What was the reality of the situation? Well, the reality was this, 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 this. Okay, so let's merge those. Where is the Venn diagram of your your window wiper perception of perception versus reality? Right. Because again, if you're in a conversational aspect, whether that's conversational viewing situation of whether that's an interaction with another person or an object, whatever the fuck it is, the Venn diagram is only going to go over those wipers just a little bit. And that's closer to the truth. You don't like admitting that you what anyone who's staunch doesn't know how wrong they are which is a pitfall if you're willing to be wrong or willing to be like swayed to do the all right all right i get i get what you're saying there all right like you have to have that open otherwise you're a mess in your own ethos like because you've gone too far afield well, you have to have that openness, yes, but at the foundation is conviction. But if you're convicted about something that you don't actually believe in, like, I don't want to deal with that. Of course not. No, I'm, ag- <gasps> I'm, I'm agreeing with uh, Yes, I agree with There that. are people who have conviction about shit that I'm like, do you actually feel that way? No, but I feel like I should feel that way. Okay. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a different issue. And, um, well, I think it's a very contemporary problem. It's the Hall of Mirrors again, because when you have access to unlimited information, it does make you feel like you have access to the truth. You have access to a Hall of Assholes, which are opinions. You know, it's just like that. You're just like, oh, the winds are blowing every which way. I'm in a fucking tornado of shit. That's actually closer to the internet echo chamber of like a reddit thread or whatever or a twitter sure, chamber sure. you're just like who what do i side with and it's like whatever's cool like that sucks like don't do that no definitely not but that that happens a lot of like this seems to be consensus because you know someone who we view with authority on any sort of subject about x wine bad art from right, whatever right, right. like you know like it you well that's what go, i mean okay. by the access to information and the information overload um, when you have that all at your fingertips, it is extra compelling to just trust your sources, which you can't do. No. But at the, at the same time, if you get too far into trying to reconstruct the picture yourself, you're like the Charlie Day meme with red string, you know? Um, yeah. It's a it's a difficult line to walk. I think it's a very new problem. I don't think that people in the past that had limited access to information ever thought they were being told the truth. Uh, but I, at the same time, I think they had a would... much more local grasp on what the truth was, which was basically small things like familial relationships, friendship relationships, and local political relationships. But if you think about like jfk the jfk assassination yeah yeah like you know the that's a huge like breaking point walter, in this. Cron- walter cronkite like yeah you know removing the glasses because he, he's having an emotion like that's the first time maybe where news was presented with like a personal affectation unfortunately that gets whiplash into submission so much later in in the now in the 90s in the now 
in the eighties and the now. What the fuck am I talking about? Well, um, I, well, I would even say just just linger on that particular example for a second. I think that like the late fifties, early sixties was a real linchpin of this moment where Walter Cronkite and the uh, limited media presentation was on one level like really unifying and did signify a kind of truth, but was also the height of propaganda. And the JFK assassination is one of the original spawning points for conspiracy theory as we know it today. And for good reason, because that story is not clear. And the lone gunman thing is likely false. And And repeated itself over and over. And the the insistence that that is the truth is how you know something's up. You know, like I was reading something today. I forget about what in particular... And it's a very obvious point, but it had never occurred to me that public relations is just the name that propaganda has taken. And I was reading about the guy that invented the term public relations. And it was right after World War II, and propaganda had gotten a bad name because of the Nazis. And this guy was very proud that his number one innovation in the information space was the term public relations, that he had just effectively redefined propaganda and made it into something more anodyne wow the don draper of yeah pr wow and so that's right around the same time as walter cronkite and the jfk assassination and all of these things like this is when i say that the information overload is a new phenomenon that is distinct from the cloudy quality of access to truth yeah or perceived truth i should say Small T truth. Mm. Yeah. I I think what's difficult about the conversation that we're having right now is the thing that we started out talking about, which is you always have to be three or four levels back. That's what makes this difficult for you and I to articulate to each other in this moment and what makes like contemporary life and epistemology really difficult. How do you know what you know? You have to know three or four separate levels figure out where you are in that chain and kind of understand the arguments from all of those different perspectives just to have some coherent sense of self-ethic. That's very tenuous at all times. So when you're in front of a Jasper Johns painting, you're like, I'm feeling very unfixed. Um, Of all things, that's kind of a moment when you don't need to feel that way. Yeah. Especially as a a semi-expert on art where like, you know, we're not credentialed. We're not art historians, but I think I know more about Jasper Johns than most people in the world. Ninety-nine percent of people. Nine. So if I have yeah. a conviction about Jasper Johns, I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah. You know. I I'm just I'm while while you were saying that I was just thinking of the meme of like the guy standing in the corner of like these people don't know that I'm thinking about. Amazing meme. Um, but that kind of is the kind of, the position that you have to take with uh, any sort of hot button or any sort of thing. Or not even a hop on, just anything that people have preloaded uh, talking points on. Like, you have to be like, well, I don't know that they don't know that I already read that, that article and a counterpoint to it. You know, like that kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. Like, they don't know that I've already read the, the takedown of blah, 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 whatever. Like, the takedown and the, like, defense of, which is now our current media hellscape. I um I feel so, sort of self-indulgent saying this, but sort of back to the original Chappelle thing when it came up this weekend. I've been trying to exercise this uh, ability or restraint 
more and more often. Oh, where like for the first time. Well, yeah, because... Wouldn't want to get in trouble of, again? Yeah, I don't really want to get in trouble about stuff. <laughs> I really don't. I don't want to get in trouble about stuff, and frankly, it's not that important to, it's not that it's important not to that me. It's not that interesting to It's really get in not anymore. That, like, I, it's, been, it's been five years of this shit. If you're not on my level, you're, you're like kind of boring to me. You know what I mean? Wow, so, I'll just go sit in the corner. Bye. Well, you're you no, know, you are you are on the level. Like you know about everything going on and you don't have you don't often have like automatic brain. Sometimes you do. Sometimes when we have an after show that goes off the rails because you suddenly have a lot of conviction about abortion. And we will not be releasing <laughs> that. Sometimes you you have this problem, but not often. But so anyway, when the Chappelle thing came up, I was trying to exercise this restraint of the guy with the party hat in the corner going, they don't know. And I sat there for 20 minutes and like let other people go on and on and on and on. And, it, and I... 20 minutes cocaine time, so about 47 seconds. That's actually probably true. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad I was not invited to this because... I assume that it was known. You shouldn't have outed me for hitting the slopes on the podcast, but hey, here it is. Anyway, but so yeah, I waited 47 seconds while a bunch of people chattered on and on and on. But the point was that I waited till I was invited to speak, basically. Mm. Um, at a certain point, a mutual friend of ours like was like, what do you think about this? Oh, boy. And he and he was the person I was like... I know exactly who I it know, is. I know, but I'm not... For a lot of reasons, I'm not saying this explicitly yeah so of course he invited me into the conversation because he knew i would have something to say duh but that i was also being conspicuously silent he was the only person that knew i wasn't saying anything and that i had something to say you know what i mean nobody else cared yeah he, he he's not dumb he speaking of good conversationalists amazing conversationalists one of the best seriously an all-timer an all-timer in my life very very generous and knowledgeable person incredible um <laughs> Donald Trump, who are you right now? Incredibly conf- incredibly conversational, very generous, wonderful person. A lot of people are saying it, folks. Many such cases of generous conversation. Oh boy. But anyway, the I, we're uh, trying to sh- we're trying to shove jokes in here. I know. While you're talking well, about you, well, time. you are. That's fine. Um, but so I was invited to speak eventually, and all I said was, you know, in the context of the special, it's a it's a forty five minute bit about a trans friend of his that killed herself. Oh, so you uh, killed the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because because what I was amazed by was that in the entire Hall of Mirrors that several people had imbibed, imbibed that had never appeared. Oh, they imbibed from mirrors. Well, we were all were, but. Okay, continue. Making uh, jokies. <laughs> Making it light. Keeping it light here. They're good. <laughs> um, no one had encountered that piece of information. Oh, the primary document? I'm not I'm not even saying you had to watch the Chappelle special. Mm-hmm. What was interesting to me is that in all of these articles, comment sections, whatever, among six other people, not one person knew that. Oh. That's And that's oh, that's boy. vital context. That's like that's like taking uh, uh the Jasper Johns painting of the Japanese print of the fucking, right? Which is a weird aberration. And being like, this is a, a great summation of somebody's art. No. It's so weird and different. Like, it, I feel like no one's seeing that show and talking about it, which is really great. Me. Fine by oh, me. I think we talked about that oh, on the last after show. It's killing me. I'm like, I've been, a bit, I've been a big like, y'all go see that drawing show, though. 
That's some that's some wild ass shit right there. Well, nobody's even written about that one. It's like showed up a little bit, I think, in one review I read. Hmm. Anyway, JY hasn't hasn't spoken a word, and it's freaking me out. Um, do you want to pee? Yes. Okay. Has this been an hour for free feed? Forty five minutes. It's been forty seven minutes. How long? It's been just over an hour. An hour Great. and one minute. Okay. I feel like that's. N- we are having such a good conversation. We can't uh, end it on I have to pee. But I guess we can. <laughs> whatever. We can do whatever we want. That's fine. We're done. What do you want to do? Take a pause? Take a pee pause? And then... No, we should just record an after show. I mean, this is I mean, this is what we do. We get to a really interesting point, and then we have to entice the people to give us money. Also, you have your pie to eat, which I forgot about. It's in. I, I turned off the timer and the oven, but the oven is still hot, so it's being warmed. Will's going to eat his cardboard and cranberries. I kind of don't even want it now. Is that bad? But I know I have to. You eat should it. throw it straight in the trash I know where I it belongs. Ha- I know I have to eat it because no, drunk. So, but I'm not even that drunk. I only slurred a little. <laughs> That's not a good sign because there's a, <laughs> there's a whole another hour to go, and you know. I mean, this foot wine is really fucking killing me. Well, I'll trade you. I don't want that shit. That's too hot. We're gonna maybe break. We sh- maybe we should mix it together and make a custom red blend. Why don't we do that? A cross stream red? Ew. Disgusting. Ooh, do we both have uh punches to the kidney? What? Red cross stream. Okay, I'm gonna go pee. <laughs> goodbye. Good <laughs> goodbye all. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>